Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Andrew, also known as the Cashflow King. And I'm going to send some love to Tones this morning. Hope you're feeling better soon, NFT Tones. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how JP Morgan is the latest billion-dollar institution to come out in support of spot Bitcoin ETFs, potentially forcing the SEC to approve a variety of products in the coming months. As tokenization of real-world assets is taking the world by storm, marking the beginning of what many global institutions will predict a multi-trillion dollar market. And with a Ripple employee stating an inflection point is coming in the next two to three years, we break down the details, showing our community how the largest financial firms on the planet are in the process of going digital. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny Crypto, this is a pretty exciting episode. We're going to be talking about some XRP news, but also Elon Musk has got a Dogecoin update. So that's pretty exciting as well. How are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. <laughs> I'm feeling great, Abs. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. I love you guys. Appreciate you for showing up every day. It's just been a really busy two weeks for me, Abs. As you know, I missed a couple episodes, but uh, happy to be here today to hop into it and see everybody and chat. And Andrew, it's great to see you too, buddy. We got some good news for you. So it's going to be very, very exciting today. Thank you so much, guys. And Andrew, this is going to be an exciting episode for a lot of reasons, but I actually forgot. Happy Labor Day to everybody out there. One of our listeners commented, I wasn't expecting a show today. We never take days off, my friends. Five days a week, every week. But Andrew, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Yeah, good morning, everybody. I hope you hear me. I have some issues with my video at the moment. But uh, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great weekend. It was an International Harbor Day in Rotterdam. You know, I live near... Uh, near Rotterdam so it was very nice old, old sailing boats and uh, we had an excellent weekend and then you see I saw old steam machines and then I thought you know this is some something else like uh, like like blockchain you know and it's only 100 years ago the steam the steam machine and and the and the, and the diesel locomotives and so uh, yeah you know um my heart goes to blockchain and crypto, but the old stuff is also nice. But I'm looking forward to a great show. Johnny, nice to see you again. Epps, nice to see you. And uh, let's rock and roll. Thank you so much, Andrew. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, when we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.04 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 25,800, Ethereum 1600, XRP is 50 cents, and let's scroll down to Cardano sitting at 26 cents this morning. And guys, we already got 110 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and get ready for this video because Raul, or not Raul Paul, actually, yes, Raul Paul was having a conversation with Crypto Banter about what is more important right now when it comes to the United States crypto adoption, the Ripple ruling or the grayscale ruling? And I think our listeners are going to like the answer. Here we go. I want to ask you a question. Do you think that the grayscale ETF decision was bigger than the Ripple uh, SEC decision? When I said the ETF decision versus the tokens potentially not being securities, which one in your mind was more important for the future of crypto? Probably the Ripple. I agree. Because we had a spaces yesterday where we spoke about this. And people will say, no, the ETF decision is bigger. I said, look, the ETF decision just means more money coming into the asset. The other one is a pivotal moment because it actually changes whether these things are securities or not securities. And that 
changes the entire future of how people build with these things, use these things. Well, because because an ETF Bitcoin, as you say, this is just flow of money, right? So, Johnny, I really like this video because what they broke down here, I think many of our listeners should fully understand. What the Ripple ruling did is it classified digital assets as not being securities. That is huge when it comes to regulation. But what the spot ETF ruling really clarified for people in the United States is that we could be reaching reaching a pivotal moment for not only Bitcoin's price, but Bitcoin adoption overall. And as you can tell, we're sharing the gold spot ETF chart right here. Look at what happened to gold right before the ETF launch. We were trading at about, what is this, $300? And we went all the way to $1,800 during that time. I think we could see something very similar when it comes to Bitcoin. Maybe not quite the influx, but something very similar. So, Johnny, what do you believe is more important, the XRP ruling or the Bitcoin ruling when it comes to Grayscale? You know, that's a very, very intriguing question because... They're both kind of, I don't know who's going to like this answer. They're both kind of equally important, but they do two different things, completely different. So when you think of the, the ripple ruling, that kind of classifies for the whole industry, whether or not we're talking about securities or not talking about securities. When you think about the ETF ruling, you know, if we eventually get one, that talks about legitimizing the actual, um, BTC portion of the market, which we know, you say it every day on the show, drives the market and brings a shit ton of money and cash into it, which then allows innovation. So they're both kind of really, they're different, but you almost, you kind of need both. You need, you need, you need the security, you need the, the industry to be legal and regulated, right? In, in a sense, but then you need the money coming in as well. And so it's very, very hard. I don't even know what the heck that guy. Yeah, I, I haven't been paying attention to Cardano recently. So I don't even know what he's talking about. But anyway, getting back to the point of your question, they're God, they're so equally important. I mean, I'm on the fence on that. But if I had to ultimately, you know, get pick one, you know, one side or the other, I would probably have to lean, you know, with, with Raul said and, and say that the overall industry as a whole not being a security is probably more important because that will that will eventually allow innovation to happen so for that reason alone and adoption but man they're they're both very important apps but i would say the ripple ruling is probably i'd have to agree is probably slightly more important and we always love to incorporate the live chat owen bowers commented that door sounded creepy johnny and i have to agree it sounds Maybe like a awesome house oil. back there <laughs> hey, let me get the oil. hey hey god get oil for the door <laughs> um wd-40 should do the trick no hard oil out there and andrew this is something i wanted to remind our listeners before playing the remainder of the video back in 20 i'm not sure if it was 2014 or 2017 xrp actually passed up bitcoin in total or sorry ethereum in total market cap and the question that we have for our listeners in the live chat right now is do you believe ripple or ethereum will ever pass bitcoin in total market cap Please vote on that poll. I'm very interested to hear your response. And Andrew, here's the remainder of this video, and then we'll kick it to you. What the XRP Ripple case is all about is really about the future of Web3. Agree. Which is a much bigger concept than just cryptocurrencies. It's about the integration of blockchain technology in, into everything that we do in a whole bunch of different business models. And you know that's not clear yet. You know where that's going to come out, but it's coming out in favor of Web3 being the future and not everything is a bloody so, security, which is ludicrous. One thing I've noticed is when, when things are going to the courts, Web3 is winning. So Ripple, it went to the court, Web3 won. There was another monumental ruling this year. I actually may have it here. It is the Uniswap ruling. Now, a lot of people just, you know, they browse this and say, oh, it's just, it's a case. It's a, it's a fickle case against Uniswap, but it's actually not because in this ruling, the judge actually acknowledged that DeFi is a decentralized protocol and you can't hold the developers liable for how people use, use the protocol. And they also acknowledge that DeFi is just a piece of code, which is, I mean, that is a, a massive ruling. The third big ruling we had was Grayscale versus the SEC, where Grayscale said, look, where the, SEC, where the, where the judge said, hold on a second, you can't treat the futures ETF different from the spot ETF because essentially they both rely on the price of the, of the spot asset. So I think that when things are going to the courts, we're getting some some fantastic outcomes and Web3 is actually winning. Just what I think the SEC misunderstood here was how smart this space is. 
It is the smartest collection of people I've ever come across because they are technologists, they're finance people, they're artists, they are this, this conglomeration of people with skill sets I have never seen in any industry before. And Andrew, what's so exciting about that is this industry is really just getting started with companies like BlackRock, Citibank, Fidelity, all coming out in support of Bitcoin products. I think that conglomerate of minds is only growing in size over these next couple of years. And we know this, when money is made quickly, young people get excited. And when we head back into a bull run during 2025, Andrew, I think we're going to see the mass hysteria of crypto come back exactly like we did in 2021. Guys, we already got 168 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And first of all, happy Labor Day. Thanks for being here. But Andrew, I'd like to hear from your perspective. What do you think is more important? The fact that uh, digital assets could not be securities anymore or the fact that the Bitcoin conglomerate is only growing in size over these next couple of years? What did you say? If a... If I, uh, uh... I think we're having connection issues, Andrew. One of the things I wanted to point out was the fact that uh, the XRP ruling was very important because of the security status that was offered. But the Grayscale ruling was very important because it allows companies like BlackRock and Fidelity to offer Bitcoin products in the future. And in doing so, they're going to be incentivized to promote Bitcoin to their clients. So I'm drawing the conclusion that we're on the precipice of mass adoption. What is your conclusion from that video? Um, I think... If I understand your question uh, right, then actually we see two streams. We see the adoption from centralized finance and we see adoption from decentralized perspective. And, and of course, the, the, the centralized perspective, that are the banks and the major institutions, the fight is currently there. And I think also to get adoption and to get uh, recognition in the space, uh, the SEC must be uh, yeah, battled. I, I can't use choose another word. Um, on the other hand, you know, you see their XRP, you see their uh, the usage of Bitcoin. It's all based on the on the centralized finance, but there is also a decentralized stuff there. And and, and what you see, what we will see in the future, that we get uh, yeah more decentralized organizations. And I think that will be the biggest risk also for centralized finance. So it will be a very interesting battle to see. After the SEC is done, where the next battle will uh, will come. I completely agree, Andrew. And one of the opinions from Tom Emmer right here only validates what you just said. Tom Emmer is a congressman in the United States, and he's once again combating Gary Gensler's regulation by enforcement, slamming the chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission for his aggressive stance on the crypto industry. On Saturday, the lawmaker highlighted on social media platform X, that the securities regulator already lost its legal battles involving Ripple Labs and subsequently Grayscale Investments. We will see how pending litigation plays out, but it should be increasingly obvious to policymakers that despite Gary Gensler's mass marketing campaign, crypto is not rife with noncompliance. So with the, with the politicians in America finally understanding and seemingly joining the XRP army here, Johnny, I think the case for crypto adoption is only going to get stronger over these next couple of months. And this is what really caught my attention from this weekend. As I was watching this video right here explaining why the banking system is so anti-crypto, I wanted to show this to our listeners as well. Deposit $10,000 into the bank. The bank sets aside 10% or $1,000 and then loans out the rest of your money. The way it works is say another person comes into the bank and asks for a car loan of $9,000. At this moment, the bank loans out the $9,000 from your original deposit. It isn't there anymore. The borrower then pays the person selling the car, and they go deposit the money into another bank, which is part of the same central banking system. This $9,000 is treated as a new deposit, and the process continues. The money gets redeposited and reloaned until the initial deposit of $10,000 becomes $100,000. The banking system just created $90,000 by loaning out your money. If you deposit $10,000... I'm sorry, Johnny, I was on mute there, but one of the things a lot of people don't understand about the banking system is when you put your money in the bank, it does not stay in the bank. And I learned this during 2020. It completely changed my perspective on self-custody. Do you think this could be one of the reasons that banks are becoming 
pro crypto, they're going to have a different solution when CBDCs are rolled out and they're not going to necessarily have to operate in this traditional banking system. No, I don't think so. I think they'll just remember there's two different things. There's how you operate. And then there's the form of cash you use to operate. So think of them as separate things. I don't think they're going to change at all how they operate. They're still going to create, you know, loan that creates this, send out 90% of the money. It's just not going to be cash anymore. It's going to be digital. But they're still going to, I, I don't think they're going to change the way the system functions. They may change the medium of the, 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 the monetary you know, I'm trying to look for the right word, you know, because I don't want to say cash. Resource. Yeah, the monetary resource, the the, the median that's going to be used. Is it a dollar? Is it a, is it a Bitcoin? Is it a, you know, that kind of thing will absolutely change. But but will they will they not, you know, loan out 10% of it? No, if you put in a Bitcoin, one full Bitcoin, they'll take 90% of a Bitcoin and they'll send it out. And I don't see any of that changing whatsoever. Uh, I think the fraction, exactly, Greenwood nailed it. It's called the fractional reserve system. And you don't hear any discussion about them saying, we're going to change the way the fractional reserve system works. No, they're saying we're going to change. <laughs> we're going to change the kind of money you get or, or, or fiat, you know, currency. Currency is the word I was going with. The currency you're going to use. But how it functions, yeah, that's, I don't see any, I don't have any sense of all or even think they're going to change that. But I'm curious what you guys think. Here's what's interesting about CBDCs, Johnny, is the fact that when you, when I pay cash, that $100 is never broken down. So if I give $100 to Johnny for a product or, or service, that $100 stays intact through that time. You know what? I'm going to give Johnny 80 bucks. He didn't earn the full 100 ah, <laughs> I'll pay you on a holiday. I'll pay you on a holiday. What are you talking about? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing that I didn't fully understand until I saw a video breaking it down is that when you use a central bank digital currency, it can easily be taxed and deleted upon each transaction so it completely changes the way that our, our our taxes are structured going forward and that's something i'm very concerned about as a young person in this society yeah, abs here's the bigger thing you should be go back to the uh well you had a great picture but that's fine here's the bigger thing you should be worried about about this system i don't know if you saw in that video which is really great it was counting up as the money was coming in and it was kind of it was doing a uh, a time um anyway so you were able to see and it showed you how much was in the bank and how much was be loaning out. And I don't know if you realized when you ended the video, it had like 50,000 in the bank or I'm sorry, 5,000 in the bank and 50,000 being loaned out. What you should be worried about. And this is why you hear something called a bank run wipes out the system. If the bank just loaned out or, you know, there's a hundreds of thousands, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, supposedly, but they loan out 90,000. So they only have 10. When you go, if everybody goes to get their money out at the same time, guess what, Abs? The bank doesn't have the money, and the bank system collapses. So the problem is we've got a system set up to fail if one scenario occurs, and that's called a bank run, and that happens when there's a loss of confidence in the banking system. If people lose confidence and everybody runs to the bank, if everyone runs down to the bank, to my bank right now today, you know, first of all, my banks will say, we don't have the money. We don't have the cash. And you can't get it in the system. And that's a problem. And it's set up because we have a system called a fractional reserve. You would think when you go to the bank, you deposit 10K that the bank has your 10K if you want to go get it back. Right? But no, it doesn't. And that's the dangers of the banking system. Johnny Crypto, go ahead. You, go ahead, Andrew. You know, it, it, it's not a, a very uh, uh, yeah stupid thing because when they started this, this whole system, you know, People want to grow. You need money. You need to have a, have a system to lend money out. And 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 that, that's what they built. The only thing is we are now at, at, the, at the edges of the system and all the flexibility is, you know, the, 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 the elasticity is almost out. And that's where we are now. But people, don't forget, it worked for years and years and years. And we built our wealth in this system. So... It, it's not a very, yeah, a stupid thing because what else would they have done? And now, and now they will come up with something else. And I agree, it it, it threatens our, our our privacy and 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 the, and and the control will become bigger to us. And that's of course why we like crypto. But on the other hand, the fractional reserve banking also brought us a lot of prosperity in the past. Am I right or not? Absolutely, Andrew. Well, 
Yes and no. I mean, yes, it did. That's not arguable. You can't argue that it didn't. But the problem is at what cost? And I want to answer this question because this shows for our people, Abs. Uh, Greenwood asking, you know, how can they continue to fracture reserve blocking system with a max or cap supply? They can't. But here's the thing. They won't. They're, whatever CBDC they end up creating, I'm bet my house on it right now and maybe another cannonball. There ain't no way that that supply, that that whatever they decide to call this new CBDC is going to be having a cap supply. I would be shocked if they did because that because he's right. That would then prevent them from being able to, you know, to inflate the, the dollar. Now, you know, so I, I, I don't I don't think it'll be a cap supply. I'd be very surprised if it was. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, you know, how the whole thing plays up. I'd be surprised if it was. Well, John, However, uh, Johnny, uh, Bitcoin can also be manipulated. For example, uh, you, you, you buy my car and you say on paper, I owe you 10 Bitcoins, you know, for, for, for my car or maybe five Bitcoin or two Bitcoins. I don't care. And then I have on paper, I have two Bitcoins, but they are not in the system. So, you know, manipulation is everywhere. So there will also be a, a sort of a shadow banking system around crypto i'm sure about it andrew yes this is a great video here from charlie munger explaining how bitcoin the the narrative behind bitcoin is quickly shifting with people like larry fink from blackrock and charlie munger shifting their stance and calling it not only an international asset but a store of value it's a very good indicator of what they're going to be promoting in 2025 on many of the mainstream news channels and guys we already got 202 live listeners joining us show us some love smash that like button and this is something i'm excited to show our listeners so here is the video that leads me to this question about crypto that uh benjamin writes in he says in 2007 at the usc law school charlie said i'm not entitled to have an opinion on this subject unless i can state the arguments against my position better than the people who are supporting it the question is does this also apply to your wall street journal article on banning cryptocurrencies and if yes would you care to share the arguments against your position well i i uh, i don't think there are good arguments against my position i think the people that oppose my position are idiots and, <laughs> and and so I don't think there is a rational argument against my position. It's really interesting, Andrew, because to categorize everybody as an idiot, it's a touchy subject, that's for sure. But one of the things I can guarantee you is guys like Mark Yusko, Michael Saylor, I mean, Elon Musk, these are not idiots. Kevin O'Leary, these are all people who not only support cryptocurrencies, but have come out and endorsed the adoption of Bitcoin. And guys, we only got 214 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is a great comment right here. But Andrew, why don't you give me some of your thoughts and then we'll continue the show. Uh, Warren Buffett, 93 years old. Charlie Munger, uh, I think 99 years old at the moment. They, these guys only know what they know. And, and, and we, we say in the Netherlands, we say what a farmer don't know. He doesn't eat. And I don't know if you say something like that in also in, in, in the US, but it looks like Munger, and I, I respect this, this man very much because he, he proved that he is an excellent investor. However, he is not fit for the mindset change from regular uh, uh, finance and money into a new new system like, uh, like, like, like crypto. You know, we are not asking for him to do that. But of course, it's a nice interview and we can have a laugh about it. Absolutely. And I do think it's a, very, a great indicator of just how quickly things can change. In 2018, JP Morgan was firing employees for, for buying Bitcoin and coming out in support of it. Now they're endorsing the currency themselves. So very interesting, only a couple of years later. And this is a story I'm not excited to share with our listeners because it is not good news for our gala holders out there. Galler Games co-founders are engulfed in a legal feud and the two co-founders are seeking to oust one another from the company. This is going to be interesting. And Johnny Crypto, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this article. A legal dispute among Gala Games' top executive casts uncertainty over the blockchain gaming company's future. On August 31st, the co-founders of Gala Games sued each other, alleging theft of the company assets among the millions. And I can't really pronounce these last, game, so, last names, so I'm going to do my best here. Sharmeyer alleges that Thurston and his investment company, True North United, 
misappropriated $130 million in gala tokens. Guys, these tokens are only like two cents a pop, Johnny. So that's like billions in gala tokens that were misrepresented here. But it also goes on to say that Thurston initially claimed the tokens would be secured for stored on gala games benefit. Hold on, I got to mute you. One second. There we go. Thurston initially claimed that tokens would be securely stored on Gala Games Benefit. He and True North later engaged in a complex, deceptive transactions to transfer and either exchange or sell tokens. Now, this sounds like a, a page out of Sam Bankman Fried's book here. They were also operating nodes illegally, generating Gala tokens and selling them while pocketing the earnings. Long story short here, Johnny, because we got a bunch of news stories to get to. These two men are suing each other to remove one another from the company. And I want to make this very clear as well. Thurston initially claimed that the tokens would be used to secure Gala's store of value. This Thurston individual is the one that stole the $130 million worth of Gala token. So, Johnny, I want to ask you point blank, does this change your perspective on the project overall? And when you see articles like this come out of Gala, how do you shift your investment perspective? Does you got to change something, right? Those are great questions, Abs. It's really, really sad because I ain't going to lie. Gala was one of my biggest and favorite, not biggest, but one of my favorite holdings. Um, I still truly believe in what they're trying to accomplish in terms of building out a, a, a new way for the gaming system and the player where you own your own assets all the time that you invest in gaming. You know, th they have a great mission. Now, listen, things like this happen from time to time where there's always a bad actor or there could be a potentially bad actor in the system. I think that, you know, Gala sitting on, God, when we went to the conference last year, remember, as we were there in person, um, they had mentioned they had raised $2 billion. So they have a ton of money. The, that company is here to stay. They, they're not, in my opinion, this is all my opinion. I think that they're going to survive this. They'll go through it. Eric Shiremeyer, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He is the actual founder. He founded Zynga, um, which is something that people may have heard of in Farmville and all those kind of games. And, and I think that, you know, him himself, I think, is a good actor in the space. And, you know, but we'll see when the courts, when it goes to the courts. I think the company will survive. I think it'll get through it. It sounds like Thurston might have done something shady. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But $130 million, well, I know it's a lot out of $2 billion is still, I don't want to say a drop in the bucket, but I mean, I believe the company will survive. Gala will move forward. They'll learn from this. They'll put things in, in place to prevent this kind of stuff abs from happening again and i think in the long run you know there's a hiccup here along the way but i think gala will, will, will proceed forward and, and for me this just may be one of those opportunities like like you were just talking about buffett you know buffett's number one you know what buffett says all the time buy when there's fear in the streets this well there's gonna be a lot of fear right now of gala and that's probably really you know a good time to dca again i'm not financial advice not financial advisor you have to disvalue your own risk but this feels like it could be one of those opportunities when there's uncertainty that if you believe in the company, you may, you may decide to DCA in or not. And Andrew, I think one of the things that I was mostly concerned with here is what Jim Cramer, this is a great comment from Jim Cramer, and that's very rare. I don't think I've ever said that before. Not educated enough in the gaming space to be an investor, but articles like this would concern me. I've always considered my investments to be investments in the people behind the project. That's a great example. I mean, if the guys who are structuring these projects are criminal or nefarious in any way, shape or form, there's a lot of opportunity to take advantage of clients who are putting their trust in them. So I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. Does this change your perspective on Gala Games? And do you think they're going to survive this whole debacle? Um, you know, this is this is typical. And I agree with what Johnny said. You know, you need to have fear before something goes down. And everybody says, for example, also with Bitcoin, yeah, I would, I would, I, I wish I would have bought it when it was so low. You know, when it was that low, you know, there was also a lot of fear because there was a reason to be that it was low, and that that that's your your mind is telling you, oh no, not buying because it's too low. And um, what I also said, you know, the gala is a coin that is yeah not in the top ten, so it is outside the top ten. So what do most of the coins or what do most of the coins do outside the top ten? 99, 95% will go to zero. So how do you invest in those coins? Invest no more than two to $500 in several coins and hope at least one will make a thousand X and that will pay for all the others. 
that's how you invest in the smaller coins. And DCAing in with small amounts even lowers your price over the long term. So that would be a good idea. But do not invest an enormous amount of money in just one or two small coins because you will get hurt. And, and no, no matter what the team is, you know, this team, we also thought it's a great team. And now they are fighting each other in, in, in a lawsuit. So uh, step by step, be wise, do your asset allocation wisely and, and go from there. Johnny, this is another comment I really think we should address here. The top employees were dumping on retail until they restructured. Forget about it, says AKAs over here. But one of the things that I think is very important, there's a lot of opportunity for founders to take advantage of retail, retail investors here. Me and you both own Gala. I was very upset, to say the least, to find out that they were taking the tokens generated by the nodes and dumping them on the open market. That means they were directly impacting the price and the value behind it. But, Johnny, we already got 233 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like yeah. button. Watch you know who else was dumping on top of uh, – you know who else was dumping on retailers? You remember? Vitalik. We sold the peak, right? I mean, this just happens in this space. If you're going to get in this space, you have to know – what you're getting into. And there is going to be some of that risk. Again, I'm not going to fault an entire company because there's one bad actor in it. Right. Unless, you know, so for example, you know, SBF was a little different story, right? He was at the top. This guy here wasn't the main founder. Shiremeyer was, if you told me Shiremeyer was doing this, I'd be very worried. I, I would be saying I'm out. I mean, you know, right. But he's the founder of this thing. And he is not, he's the one saying, Hey, I want to get this ship steered correct. This is how I'm interpreting it. I want to get this ship steered correctly. Thurston was stealing from the company. Thurston went and, you know, using nodes illegally and all the other stuff. And I want him out of my company. That, to me, my opinion, says that's the kind of leadership I want. Flush out the bad actors and keep the company moving forward. And so when you ask, am I changing or how am I thinking of it? No, not unless some other news comes out that Shiremeyer was doing it. Then I'm getting out. So... I just kind of wanted to answer your question and wrap it up. But that's how I'm looking at the scenario for now. As new data comes out, I may adjust my thinking. But that's kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna sit tight and see what happens for a little bit here because I believe in the gaming space in the long run. And there's no bigger player right now on the crypto side apps than Gala. They're the number one leader in the space right now when it comes from the gaming perspective and blockchain. And I think that this is something all of our listeners should pay attention to, Johnny. $130 million in misappropriated funds. That is generational wealth, to say the least. And here's what's really interesting, guys. No one's being threatened to go to jail. Nobody's going to be sitting behind bars here. Even if he stole $130 million, he's going to lose his job and retire a very, very wealthy individual. Am I right in saying that, Johnny Crypto? He's just going to lose his job, and that's pretty much it. Well, you know, that may or may not be true, Abs, because you're talking about theft now. And, and theft can be a criminal, potentially a criminal activity, depending on what was done. Uh, look at SBF. He may end up going to jail too, right? Potentially. So, or, I mean, at least he's being charged with criminal fines is what I should have said. And I won't be surprised if they find that he did something illegal like that broke a financial law or a criminal law, then abs it is possible that not only will he have to, you know, lose the company and pay the money back, but also, you know, potentially go to jail i mean should if he did an illegal activity but we'll have to wait and see because unfortunately a lot of financial crimes like you were about i think what you're assuming is they don't typically go to jail you're you're absolutely right about yeah forget about it they typically don't go to jail white collar crimes but maybe in this case they will who knows it all depends on the on the facts of the case and how what he did so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out well, Johnny, here's another criminal allegation that's not going to land anybody behind bars. But before we get into this, we got 237 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And guys, a big problem we've been experiencing in the XRP community is fake news articles. And we titled today's episode, XRP and Bitcoin, Truth Bombs versus Fake News. This is one of the first articles we're going to be discussing. Is this a truth bomb or is it fake news? So Uphold put out this tweet highlighting Western Union and the use and collaboration with Ripple and XRP. A Cointrust report stated that Western Union's CEO confirmed an active collaboration with Ripple's blockchain technology, as well as its native token XRP. The XRP ledger and its associated technology are providing lightning fast and low cost decentralized infrastructure that can be used for many use cases, notably cross-border payments and remittances. Now this is great news, right? Reason to celebrate, Johnny? 
absolutely not. It's just another clickbait article here. And I don't think Uphold was doing this intentionally. I genuinely believe they fell for some fake news because Uphold's a stand-up company. I'm, I guarantee they're not working for revenue on Twitter here, guys. They're making billions and <laughs> doing anything else. So a few days when uh, uh, Crypto Airy commented here, she said, a few said, why does it matter if old news is shared? This is why. The CEO at Western Union looked into this in 2017 and tested only 10 transactions in 2018. Then he resigned a couple of years ago. It matters. New investors are being misled, and this uphold post should be removed. I want to give a shout-out to Crypto Erie, the cop on the beat when it comes to fake news here, Johnny. But let's address the, the elephant in the room. Is this article relevant? We're going to continue to see old articles regurgitated as new news. Is this considered fake news? What do you consider articles like this? Uh, it's it's not. I mean, it's not fake news. It was real news, and it had significant value in 2017. But in 2023, it may or may not have significant value depending on what happened over the course of the six years, right? And so in this particular case, you know, obviously as AKA is saying, I would agree that this has zero value. Now, here's the thing. We're all in this space. We've all accidentally once in a while grabbed an article and misread or put something up there and realized, oh shit, this thing was older than I thought. Because here's what happens. A lot of these articles... Unfortunately, uh, and I've seen it happen to me sometimes where I won't post them because I'll see it and it's uncertain. It's hard to tell. Adam. They're not dated. You go on the, and you know this, you do a ton of research on the web. You go out there and you find something like, oh, wow, this is interesting. And you're searching all over to try to find when was this article posted? And, and sometimes if you're in a haste and you're like, oh, you grab it, you see it and you post it and you realize, you know, Somebody else points it out to you later, like, oh, my God, this thing's five years old. Then you look like a, a re oh, I'm going to say the R word because everybody, you look like a bonehead. And then you end up like, oh, crap, and you should take it down. So here's one or two things you should do in this situation. A, I always try to make sure when I look for articles, what's the date? B, if you don't know the date, then kind of say, don't know how old this is. Like, give people an indication that you're not really sure if this thing, how relevant it is. Or, or if you do know the date, make sure you say, hey, this thing, like you've done it on this show. You brought up articles from time to time that are five years old or three years old. And you've said that, hey, this article is three years old, but here's why I think it still has relevancy, right? That's the way you properly handle it. I honestly believe, and, and I don't care whatever else anybody else thinks, but I honestly think that they just made an honest mistake. Uphold is too big of a company, you know, too honest that I don't think they would want to mislead people. I think they made an honest mistake, and it won't surprise me at some point. If A, they take it down, and B, they apologize for putting up an old article. That that's just that's what I would guess would happen in this situation. As I don't think they're trying to be uh, uh, nefarious here at all. Johnny, this is another big article I saw this morning because one of the things that we've continued to see in the crypto space is this stake platform be endorsed on other shows. Well, this is really interesting, and I'm not sure if it's true, so don't throw me in the fake news category here. I'm bringing you the speculation. Crypto betting platform Stake appears to have been exploited for 9,600 Ethereum, about $16 million, according to blockchain data. And Johnny, another variable that we got to consider going forward, hacks and exploits are only going to increase in this space. And I'm concerned about articles like this. How do you feel about crypto potentially being exploited in, in the Stake platform in other ways? Yeah, fake stake, I guess, is what we call this one. <laughs> hey, fake stake. We got now we got another thing to worry about. Fake staking. You know what, Abs? It just proves that in this space, somebody actually said it in the chat earlier in the show that we're in the wild, wild west of crypto. We absolutely are right now. And this is why we have things called regulation. Because as much as like people hate the regulation and the Congress and you gotta go through all the pride and like all oh, the controlling it, the reality is. You, you just have to look at two sides of the of the, of the the coin. You can have the situation where you unregulate it, and then you get this stuff. While all rest, because people are corrupt, and there are bad actors out there, and you'll always end up in a scenario where you're going to have people taking advantage. Or you say, go the other side, go to regulation, and it kind of limits what you can be done. But at least it's more trustworthy and honest. And that's where we're headed in the crypto space is we need to get to the point where this space can be trusted. It's not there yet because what I always say, we're so damn early. You know, it feels like we're late, but this 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 industry is not set up yet. It's not set up to run safely yet. We're in the process of that happening. So have these things are going to happen. So to be honest with you, dude, I don't stake right now. I don't trust. I would never trust a plat. You know, forget the decks. I stay away from all that right now. I just put my coins in a, in a place that I believe is safe or safe, right? And then that's it. You kind of just I, leave it there. Do you know what I mean? 
I don't agree with you. You can stake at the moment, but don't stake at centralized platforms. There centralized platforms is fake staking. So if you own your coins in your own wallet, then you can delegate your coins to a validator. And that is the real staking. You can do that with Atom. You can do that with, with many other coins. You can really do it. It's no issue at all. And you make your, your 15 or, or, or maybe yeah. 10, 10, 15, 20% per year APY. Yeah, I meant, I meant, I should have been clear. I meant the, the yeah. centralized staking, but but yeah. this man is absolutely right. The cash flow king. If you're going to stake individually, your own wallet, and you're doing it on the delegating on the individual uh, staking places, then that makes that, that's the way you do it. The problem, Andrew, is a lot of people aren't sophisticated, don't have the time to do it like you do, right? And they want to just go to these simple, like a Nexo or these simple. No, that, that's, the, that's the confusing part. And that's why I think we should continue talking about staking and fake staking just to to to, to clear people's mind up. So hmm, is there a difference? Yes, of course, there is a difference. And and yeah, so so let, let's go from there. Come to the academy and I explain you everything. That's the way to do it. Come to the 3T Academy and the cash flow king will teach you how to stake properly. And one of the things we've said from the beginning is banks are testing this technology in the background, Johnny Crypto. And this is some evidence from David Schwartz explaining how a flip of the switch could change everything. And you can handle the money with it. You don't have to. You, can, you, you, have, you have a switch that you can flip whenever you're ready to handle real money. And then when you're arguing that that feature should be included in the XRP ledger, you have something that you can show in the oh, the audio was a little bit low. What he was explaining, Johnny, is that you practice the transactions with basically fake money and flip the switch to real money whenever you validated that this is exactly what you're looking for. And so I see that I'm having a little bit of connection issues, but I do want to kick it to you to buy me some time. What do you think about this? Is there ever going to be a flip of the switch moment when it comes to adopting digital assets? Uh, you know, everybody talks of the flip of the switch. And uh, and thank you, Pancho Hernandez. Appreciate the kind words. I'm glad Merlin is changing your life and making it simple. And I hope everybody else has got a chance to try it out too. I'll have an announcement for you a little later in the show, Merlin. But uh, Abs, I think that flipping of the switch has become um, just this great saying that everybody wants to happen or, or, or wants to believe is overnight something's going to happen. I don't really think it's going to happen that way because being in the technology space, I know how technology adoption happens and it's usually slow over time in the way it happens. So I, I think you'll end up seeing that that'll be the, the situation there. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you know, I think um, as we are um, coming through this, I think this would be a really, really good time to show you guys the uh, smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Johnny Crypto, first of all, congratulations on Merlin. I believe we already have 300 people using the application. That's really, really exciting. And a lot of our listeners like to tease us about how long this rollout's taken. This thing was started from scratch with Johnny Crypto. There was no Merlin. There was no name. So congratulations to you, Johnny. Any quick updates before we continue? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Abs, 36,000 lines of codes. <laughs> it took a long time to write, but we're finally here. We're excited. Uh, guys, we've sent it out. If you're on the wait list, you are receiving emails right now, and we're getting a lot of reports that the emails are going to spam. They're going into the junk box. So, guys, if you're sitting there wondering why you haven't got it, go check your junk box. Go check the email spam. Unspam us or, or you know, so that, we, so that all future uh, notifications that we send you don't go there as well. But that's what I wanted to inform people, Abs, that we are out there. 
Uh, I've been speaking to a lot of you. I've been following up with folks. I spoke to a man by the name of Larry last night, and he got in it, and he's excited. So, Larry, I would shout out to you for uh, – you know what, Abs? One thing I learned through this whole thing, nobody answers the phone anymore. <laughs> we've been calling people. We've been trying to get to them because they've had some trouble, you know, logging in or whatever. So we call them back to help out, and nobody answers the phone. So if you see a phone number coming from a 203 area code – or, or an 800 number, answer the phone because we're calling you back because we're trying to help you. But nonetheless, uh, I'm really, really happy to see that people are enjoying it, Abs. And, and the nice thing about this is they're setting themselves up, Abs, to get ready for the next bull run. So I'm really, really happy um, to be able to help people out. So anyway, that's the update. Guys, check your spam mail. Go and spam it. Sign up. Try out Merlin. Let us know what you think. And guys, one of the things that's becoming very clear about crypto adoption in the United States is the relationships are fading before our eyes. When it comes to ETHgate and Ethereum getting a free pass, a lot of politicians are waking up to the fact that there was some corruption that took place behind the scenes. And this is an article I'm excited to show our listeners. As Elon Musk funded Dogecoin and mulled blockchain social media as a new biography details, Elon Musk is considered creating a blockchain-based social media payment platform and this was actually before he bought X. So what I found very interesting about all this is Elon Musk has been a proponent of Dogecoin even before he bought Twitter. So Elon Musk has been quietly funding the development of Dogecoin, according to a new biography of the owner of SpaceX and Tesla. The cryptocurrency, which was started as a joke nearly a decade ago, owes a great deal of its popularity to Elon Musk, who established himself as a crypto influencer. That's pretty funny. I don't think he would call himself a crypto influencer. In late March, Musk sought to end a $258 billion lawsuit, insisting that tweeting in support of Dogecoin was not unlawful. The billionaire even dubbed himself the Doge Father in a tweet promoting a Saturday Night Live appearance in May of 2021. And for anybody who wasn't around during that time, when Elon Musk went on to Saturday Night Live, Dogecoin collapsed from 71 cents to 40 cents in the hour. So I believe it was 47 cents within the hour. So there was this drastic decrease in price and a lot of people were ticked off by Elon Musk's endorsement. So Musk considered launching a new social media platform based on blockchain that would incorporate payments. The idea come, came from his brother and according to a quote from Elon Musk, he pondered half jokingly that the network's payment system could be using Dogecoin. In August, he also stated that X will never launch its own token and this is some of the news that led me to buy a little bit of Dogecoin, Johnny Crypto, because I think if we ever see a mass adoption moment on Twitter, Dogecoin will be a benefiter from that uh, marketing campaign. And one last thing before I kick it to the group here. A failed attempt by discredited co-founder and ex-chief executive of bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, to invest $5 billion to acquire Twitter was also described in this biography. So Elon Musk also elaborated on the meetings he had with SBF and how he knew from day one this man was a fraud. So I find that to be pretty interesting as well. What do you think, Johnny? Do you think if, if X ever incorporates digital assets, Dogecoin could be one of the first tokens to benefit? 100%. I mean, you could see at the end of the day, he probably figured, I don't want to create my own blockchain. I'll take something or my own coin. I'll take something out there. Why not take something that's dead and not going to make it, right? Doge is dead. It, let's face it. Let's be honest. If Musk wasn't driving Doge, would Doge be any? Would anybody even be talking about Doge? Right? It'd be like Safe Moon or something else that nobody's even talking about anymore. The reality is Doge is only here because of Musk. And 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 I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm literally in Doge, literally for one reason, Abs. It's what you said because of Musk. Because I think he may he's he's hinged onto it. He may or may not do something with it. So that's one of those things. I take Andrew's advice. I put two to five hundred dollars in it, set it aside. If something happens, great. If something doesn't happen, I'm not worried about it either way. You know what I'm saying? So it's that kind of same concept. And he's given. I mean, he's given Doge life, and everybody's sitting in there betting. I, I bet you, if you pulled people out, do a poll next time. If you pull people, how many of you own Doge because of Elon Musk, or do you own it because of Musk or not Musk? Or put a one in the chat if you own Doge, but because Elon Musk. You know, you believe it'll, it'll go up because of Musk or put it to if you just believe in Doge as a whole cryptocurrency. I'm just curious what people think. I, 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 don't, don't, guys, don't forget the bigger plan of Elon. I mean, he was already willing to, to make a, a, a messaging system from PayPal. And then that didn't, that didn't happen. So now he bought Twitter. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that he will uh, also include payments like he had. He has experience with PayPal. So payments into Twitter. And then if he is really a proponent of freedom of speech, 
then the whole organization should become decentralized. And in the end, I can imagine that maybe in 10 years, Elon Musk will even go out and then it will then then uh, X will be a decentralized standalone organization based on, on voting and that kind of stuff, like, like, like a DAO. That, that could be the case. And I expect that many more companies like that, decentralized companies will, will arise in the future, like, like an Airbnb can absolutely be a decentralized company. A booking.com can be a decentralized company. A TripAdvisor. All they, these kinds of stuff can be decentralized. And I think Elon has a vision to go into that direction. And of course, he needs a blockchain. And it's wise, and that's, I agree with Johnny, that he thinks, okay, let's incorporate something that already exists. You know, you know let's make it easy. So... I think Elon is uh, much wiser than we think. And a $258 billion lawsuit is a blessing in disguise because if you're able to get sued for that high of a number, means you're one wealthy individual. And guys, this is an article that JP Morgan commented on as Grayscale's legal win versus the SEC makes a spot Bitcoin ETF approval much more likely. And this is out of the words of JP Morgan here. For the sake of time, I'm going to go through this article a little bit quickly. It is more than likely that the SEC will be forced to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF. And due to the several applications being filed, we could see a massive influx in demand for Bitcoin. Now, this is the one paragraph I'm going to read before I kick it to Johnny. Oh, and I just lost my, my highlights here. JP Morgan notes that the court ruled there was no justification to allow our futures-based Bitcoin ETF, but deny a spot ETF. It's highly unlikely and it's highly significant because it implies that the SEC uh, for the SEC to defend its denial of Grayscale's position, it would have to retroactively withdraw its previous approval for futures-based Bitcoin ETFs. Now, a retroactive withdrawal would be extremely disruptive and embarrassing for the SEC, and therefore, it appears unlikely, said JP Morgan. So, Johnny, with this all playing out before our eyes, I continue to go back to the chart that I showed at the beginning of the show, where I think we're, we're on the precipice of a mass adoption moment for Bitcoin. JP Morgan, BlackRock, Fidelity, all of the most important companies are coming out in support of this product and calling it a decentralized international asset. This is the moment we've been waiting for, guys, and, and we can provide more evidence. But for the sake of time, I just want to get your thoughts. When the SEC has to approve Grayscale's ETF and they end up approving Fidelity's and BlackRock's and a bunch of others, what are you anticipating the effects will be? Will we see a direct increase in price or will it be a slow rollout where it's more like gold? Remember, even in this gold chart, guys, the ETF was approved in 2005. The peak for the price chart was 2012. So it doesn't necessarily mean that these products are going to be approved and Bitcoin's going to double and triple in price instantly. Instead, we could see a slow rollout, a slow adoption. And believe it or not, that could be best case scenario, Johnny, right? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think you're going to get it. You're going to get your typical, you know, sell the news kind of thing or it's going to pump and dump. So you're going to get You're going to get a boost, I would think. It's going to be big. Then it will drop down. And then then you're going to get, yes, that natural, gradual incline over time that, you know, this thing could easily do, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, X maybe from where we are today uh, with all that kind of flood of money coming into it because it's going to be legitimized. It's going to open the doors for money to come in. So um, I don't know if it'll take as long um, that tenure because, gold, you know, gold is gold has been around forever. Nobody's invested in Bitcoin right now. The whole world barely knows about it. So um, I think that you will, you will, it might have a slightly more accelerated and advanced, you know, shorter time frame to go a little higher up, I think, in my opinion, could be wrong. So don't, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just kind of guessing what I think because the, it's a new asset to the world uh, versus gold being, you know, fully invested. So you may get more of a rush into it, which will drive the price up. Right. And so we'll have to wait and see how it goes, but, uh, but I do believe the same effect, if we were looking at the chart 10 years after the ETF was approved in BTC, you will definitely see a rise. Of, yeah, you'll see something like this. You'll see a rise. I mean, I don't know the exact X number up higher, you know, but I do believe it'll look similar where you're going to get a boost in price from where we are today um, over time. So for me, it's almost, I don't want to call it a surefire investment. There's no such thing. But God, if there ever was anything close to it, I would think that'll be it. And especially with the fact that now 
Yes, he's got themselves in a conundrum, right? <laughs> With the court saying you can't you can't release one if you let the if you let the future ETF go, then you should be letting the spot ETF go, right? They're yeah. in a very very interesting position right now. Now the bad news is maybe they recall the, the future one and they shut that down. I don't even know if they could do that at this point, but if they do, that that's the only other scenario, and that would be I think a bad thing for Bitcoin in the crypto space. To be honest with you. Andrew Cashflow, I do want to get your thoughts on this, but for the sake of time, I'm going to skip to an XDC article because I do think it's just as important. One of the things that I can clearly tell from XDC is that it's building for the banks. What they're working on right now, guys, is tokenizing trade and tokenizing digital contracts to drive more liquidity onto the network. So, Andrew, I'm going to read this and kick it right back to you. XDC is transforming global trade and a collaborative journey towards seamless digitalization is happening before our eyes. XDC's trade network is a complete suit of decentralized apps on the XDC network, and that aims to redefine the global trade financial industry by digitalizing the entire process. XDC's trade network is a one-stop solution for trade document digitalization and liquidity for your trades. And obviously, we got a great friendship with Quincy, and we've talked about this privately. We've talked about this publicly. The applications that are being built on two blockchains, the XRPL and XDC, are specifically built for the banks. And I do believe after speaking with Quincy, we will see a day where XDC's tokenized contracts are combined to facilitate the liquidity through the XRPL because the XRPL is the only blockchain built for institutional volume. And for the sake of time, Johnny, back me up here. You know I'm correct when I said that. We had a private conversation with Quincy where he broke that down. XRPL is the only blockchain built to transfer institutional value in seconds. It is the only one. And he explained it from a technical perspective, but I wanted to double down here. So Andrew, what do you think about this digital transformation? Do you think digital contracts are going to become just as important as many of the narrative we've talked about today? Digital contracts must be important. It is inevitable because, um, you know, the the, the old-fashioned contracts with with all the the, the, the handwritten signatures and that kind of stuff, it's not yeah, maintainable anymore. So what, what you want is I want to do a contract with somebody else and I want to have it signed and legal, everything in, in maybe a couple of minutes. That's what I want. And this is the basis. This is the foundation here with XRP and XDC together to build that stuff. We need to get used to it as, as people that it is really working. So it needs to be audited. It needs to be saved. But first steps are given or are, are, are take, taken in that direction and I think it's a very good, uh, a very good direction. Johnny Crypto, to close out this show, let's cover out, let's cover some of this Chainlink news and their collaboration with Swift. Last week, we showed you guys this tweet right here from a Swift chief innovative officer, and he said, "Our experiments have demonstrated clearly that the existing secure and trusted Swift infrastructure can provide a central point of connectivity, removing a huge hurdle in the development of tokenized tokenization and unlocking its potential." So let's break down some of the specifics here because we got a great illustration explaining how this whole thing would work. Swift is in the process of upgrading and our listeners, I'm noticing we only have two minutes left. Check it out for yourself. Chainlink is currently building itself as a center for this trade. And that's what gets me really excited. Swift is one of the only companies collaborating with Swift. And this is one of the only partnerships that Ripple was not able to secure through their marketing campaign throughout the year. So Looking at this illustration here, Johnny, what do you think and what sticks out to you? Is Chainlink set to be a centerpiece of our new financial system? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that the SWIFT system is the current incumbent in, incumbent in this space, right? <clears throat> and as a, a XRP holder, there's nothing I would have loved more than to have seen Ripple partner with them to bring this system into the, into the Web 3.0 space. And unfortunately... They didn't get that, and that's a big that's that's a big hurdle for Ripple, and and, and because Swift owns this thing right now, uh, they're tied into all the banks. And Chainlink Link has put themselves in a very very good position to you know Swift's not going to go away. Champ's not just going to die. You're a champ. You're on top of the hill. You don't just die, right? You're not going to go away. You're going to fight. And Ripple's coming after Swift, so it's Rip. It's not Ripple and Swift. It's Ripple versus Swift. Now that's the, the fear I have for Ripple is that they have a big battle ahead of themselves. Um, so it would have been better for them to have partnered with MAPS. But nonetheless, Link got in there, and so Link put themselves in a very, very good position. And this goes to what I always say. The reason why I'm not worried, I'll tell you why I'm not worried about this. Because I got both horses in my stable. 
I don't care who wins. See, I put myself in a position where I don't have to worry about who wins. I don't have to worry, did I guess right? Because that's all this is. This is a, a probability guessing game of who's going to be here six, seven, ten years from now. Who's going to win? Who's going to be the next Amazon? Who's going to be the next Red Hat? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If I had those in my, you know, all those stocks in my in my stable years ago, I wouldn't have had to worry about it. And that's why I'm not worried. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Johnny. And we are showing a commercial right now, guys. Check this out. This is the first digital Euro TV commercial. And that's what I'm going to show to end the show today. But guys, I want to say thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny and thank you to Andrew. And shout out to NFT Zone. We got 228 live listeners here. If you enjoyed this content, show us some love. Smash that like button. And we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Woo, let's go. Happy Labor Day, everybody.